So I've been thinking, what is the greatest threat to your faith, your family, your potential, your legacy, and even your life? What is that greatest threat? For some, some would say the devil, some would say Democrats or Republicans, you know. But really, the greatest threat, what is the greatest threat? I believe it is this, sin. Sin. Well, what is sin? The next natural question is this, what is sin? The Bible teaches that sin is to miss the mark. We missed the mark. According to God's standard that he has laid out for us, he has his word, he has his, his, that he wants us to abide by. It's when we fall short of the glory of God. And the next question I think is, natural question is, who has sin? This is, are you ready? Everybody. <laughs> Take notes, write it down. There are three R's. Come on, help me out. Everybody say everybody. I want you to look at somebody next to you. Say you're a sinner. Look at over here. You're a sinner. Ma'am, back there, you're a big sinner. Sir, over here, you've sinned. Come on, everybody. And that's why, hear me, that's why we need this church because it's a church for everybody. Amen, somebody? Because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the reality about sin. For some, it's, it's different kinds of sin. For some, it's drugs. For some, it's an addiction, it's a substance. For some, there's just some struggles in their life with being judgmental to other people, with gossip. For some, it is, it is lust. For some, it is substance abuse. For some, it is, it is many, many things. This list could go down, down, and down. Everybody has their different struggles that they have in life. And I wanna just take a few moments to take you down this path of how this thing has an effect on us, how this sin has a way of impacting our lives, our potential, our marriages, our children, our, 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 our legacy. And I find it in the, the book of Genesis chapter 13, just an interesting story. What's happening here is that Abram and Lot, uh, that is his nephew, Abram is his uncle, Lot's uncle, and they have a, they're both blessed substantially. That They've been traveling together. And at this point, now we've found that they can't even stay together anymore because of their blessing has gotten so much that their herdsmen are now fighting back and forth. And, and Abraham says to him, like, we don't want this to continue. So let's jump to verse number eight. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look. Everybody say long look. At the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor, the whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked 
and constantly sinned against the Lord. In this story, I saw a few steps that happened. Now, we just heard in verse 13 that Lot just picked an area that is constantly evil in the sight of the Lord called Sodom and Gomorrah. They were grotesque. They were evil. They were, they were, they were, it was a very sinful, dark place. Lot, when he's hooked up with Abraham, is blessed and got favor. Abraham's following after God. And then, then they have to make this decision. And when he goes to make the decision on where to go, the Bible says that Lot looked. Everybody say Lot looked. Verse 10 says that Lot took a long look. He's making his decision based on what he could see. He was making a decision based on what looked physically good and not what was actually good. Same is to be said of Eve in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that she looked at the fruit that God said not to eat of that tree. She looked at the fruit. The Bible says she saw that it was good. You gotta be careful, hear me today, church, with what you look at. You gotta be careful where you find your eyes drifting. The Bible calls it the lust of the eyes. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Jesus, in one point of his ministry, said to even look upon a woman in lust is, committed, is, is like committing adultery, but notice you don't lust without looking. <laughs> if we can stop looking, we may stop lusting. Yeah, let me keep moving along here. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a woman and lust. The Bible is letting us know that the eye Scripture calls it is the light to the body. If the eye be good, the whole body be full of light. That's what Jesus said. Here's what I want you to understand, that your life direction is really based on what you and I continue to look at, who we continue to look at, the bitterness we continue to look at, the anger we continue to look at, the injustice we continue to look at. The whatever we lock our eyes on has an effect of determining the direction of our lives. And Lot, the Bible says, looked. It looked good initially. Isn't that what sin does? It looks good, it looks well watered, it's nice and green, it looks like fun, but after you look for a while, you can talk yourself into some things. You can rationalize some stuff. After you've just looked, it's, it's just, it's not that big a deal. It's just one drink, or it's just one night, or it's just, we're just hanging out. We're just friends. Don't overthink it. You don't need to read my text. Am I talking to anybody can handle this kind of preaching in 2024? We catch ourselves looking at it. Whatever we continue just to keep putting our eyes on has an effect. And watch what happens next. Lot looked, and the next thing is Lot chose. This sermon really came when I was reading this one verse. It says, verse 11, Lot chose for himself. 
Can I just tell you something? Some of the situations we find ourselves in are nobody else's fault but ours. He chose for himself. You can't blame the government. You can't blame your mama. You can't blame this person or that person or your last pastor. At the end of the day, you chose for yourself to be bitter. You chose for yourself to have an affair. Am I preaching? I think I'm preaching. <laughs> I, believe the, I believe that some of the greatest sources of pain in our lives are when you and I choose for ourselves. When we think about us, when we make a decision, hear me, based on our appetite, what I'm hungry for, what I want, rather than making a decision on principle in God's word and what's right, we're living in a time where people are living by their appetites and then insisting to identify by what they're hungry for. The Bible says that you, could, that you will, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that you won't feel the lust of the flesh. But you don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's my point. Many of us are trying to identify ourselves with the struggle in our life, okay? We have a whole generation saying that I have an appetite for this gender, so I identify as this. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you gotta fulfill it. My favorite dish in Columbus, Mississippi. Help me, Lena. Help me, Jesus. I want it right now, just thinking about it. What's the name of that Mexican place with the, the guy ran his car into the front of it? Somebody know? They change their name every week. Guadalajara? Guadalajara. Okay, so what's that dish I like? What? Pizza, pizza, queso, queso barilla. That's the best white people can do, queso barilla. All right, how many of you ever had that? Where, where Tanner's the one that told me about it. Was it you? Let me tell you about this dish. I'm telling you, it comes with three burritos, right, little taco, what do you call those? Oh, man, we need some help today. I should have talked to you and Lena before this service. Really good chunks of meat, cheese, cilantro, and you dip it into this sauce. Glory to God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> Listen, you dip it in that, it tastes so good. Can I tell you, I've been eating that so much lately. And, and I'm gonna tell you about that dish. I love it so much. I have an appetite for that dish. But I have never, ever thought that I'm Mexican today. Just because I got an appetite for it doesn't mean I have to identify by it. Are you hearing me? I'm trying to help a church today. 
Romans chapter eight, verse five. Those who live according to the flesh, I haven't heard this verse read in church in a while, have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. That's how you know you are Spirit-led. Listen to how you think. Not are you prophetic, not do you sing, not do you worship. No, if you're Spirit-led, you can tell by just checking your oil, checking your thinking. He says, you know you're walking by the Spirit when your brain's thinking straight thoughts, clean thoughts, thoughts of the Word of God. Are you still with me? The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So he looked and then he chose. We gotta be careful. We don't have to choose. We oftentimes cannot... We, Somebody's put my, okay, never mind, I'm good. Here, here's what we need to understand is that you and I are gonna be bombarded with things to look at all the time. I don't have to continue to look at it, but that you can't control when things come past you. But I can control if I'm gonna choose to fulfill the lust of my flesh. Am I helping anybody? So watch this progression. Lot looked, Lot chose, Number three, Lot moved. Look at verse 12. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and, and Lot moved his tents to a place near. Near. He, he wasn't even there yet. He just moved a little closer to the, to the area, Sodom and Gomorrah, and settled among the cities of the plain. Notice he wasn't even there yet. Notice he had just inched a little closer. Lot had looked. Now he's made a conscious decision to move closer to the place of destruction. Listen, it is impossible to keep looking at it and not move toward it. You can't keep rehearsing bitterness and not be bitter. You can't re keep rehearsing hurt and not deal with unforgiveness. You can't keep nursing things in your heart when God is trying to settle those things and them not affect you. You can't keep thinking about women in a certain way or men in a certain way and it not affect your relationships. Near, everybody say near. near. Just a little closer. This is, this is how the devil plays, by the way. Just a little closer, just a little, just let me inch in a little bit. Let me get a little closer. Let me get a little this. Let me do, it's no big deal. Everybody just relax. You're old school. That's what they used to preach in the old church, but we're under grace and we're a new thing. Skidding <laughs> a little more near, a little closer. Have you ever heard that song, Slow Fade? Is it by Casting Crowns, somebody? The words of that song say, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Sin causes death by a thousand cuts. You don't wake up one day and say, today 
I'm going to have an affair. Today, I'm moving into Sodom. Today, I'm going to destroy my family. Today, I'm going to embezzle millions of dollars. Today, Tuesday. No, no, no. It's way more subtle than that. You started to look, and you made some conscious decisions, and you moved a little closer, and you got a little tighter, and you started texting her, and you started Instagramming her. You, started, you just got a separate account to, so that your wife don't see your OnlyFans content or your subscription. Oh, I love church people. I don't think a person blinked for one second in this room. <laughs> Hebrews 3.13 says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin. Notice the nature of sin is deceptive and hardened against God. Sin hardens our hearts and moves us away from God. Listen, I don't have to convince you of this. I'm fairly certain you've either seen this or you've struggled with this, this yourself, that when you and I make conscious decisions to get closer to darkness, it is much harder to come to church. It's just the truth. You find it harder to open that Bible. You find it harder to pray. And though you try to make excuses and explanations and try to justify it at the end of the day, you can blame it on the lights. You can blame it on the preacher. You can blame it on everything else. But if you got sin, it's hard to keep coming. I'm not saying you can't come. I'm just saying sin has a condemning nature. When we look at scripture, we find that he says you're hardened against God. The enemy knows that he can't lead you into death until he first leads you away from life. And he just pulls you in. What I've learned about sin, too, is that sin always is attractive. Why don't you just come a little closer, come a little closer, come a little closer, and once you get, like, it's, it's, the Bible says, well, it's like, here's the thing about sin. It's attractive because it's also fun. It's fun. Anybody who told you sin ain't fun ain't telling you the truth. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. Once you get in it, and it make, it's like, man, this ain't so bad. This ain't no big deal. Once you've played in it long enough, it has a binding effect that it steals our joy and robs us and begins to break us down and we begin to separate ourselves further and further from the Abrahams God has for us. We get out of a relationship with people, we get out of, away from healthy influences, we get out of church, we get out of, away from people who can help us and we just start going further and further away because once the devil tempts you, the next thing he does is taunt you. After you have been, after you have fulfilled the temptation, then he taunts you with your failure. Here's the next thing. So we find that he chose, he moved, he lived, or excuse me, he lived. This is so interesting. You go into chapter 14, the next chapter, you find that now he lives in the city that at first he just moved toward. Notice the progression of his life. It just started with looking. And then he moves, he makes a conscious effort, then he moves closer, and chapter 14 says now he lives in it. This is, this is the reality, this is the final stages of the deception of sin. Looking at it, 
choosing it, moving closer to it, now living with it. This is the only time, or excuse me, this is the first time in the entire Bible a home is mentioned. He had made home in a place that wasn't healthy for him to be in. He had gotten comfortable. This is a place where sin becomes normalized. This is a place where, where, where we have now got to the point where drinking too much and we justify pills, or we justify anger, or we justify sexting, I deserve this, I've worked all day, you don't understand, she don't understand, she doesn't give it to me so I gotta find it on the side, I will preach if you will let me. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. This is where we spend so much time in sin that our heart becomes hardened. The Bible says our conscience can become seared meaning that we cannot feel. We cannot feel it anymore. We don't feel conviction. Can I tell you something? Conviction's not a bad thing at all. We need the conviction. But the more and more we keep ignoring the whispers of the Holy Spirit, the harder it is to hear. Okay, so, so I've used this illustration maybe before, but conviction to your spirit is like pain to your body. If you're running on the beach sometime and you step on a piece of glass, you, you feel pain. It's indicating to you that you're bleeding, you need medical attention, you need to take care of this place that is now, that is cut. Your spirit's the same way. That it's indicating to you we got a problem. If you're running on the beach and you don't feel pain, you could bleed to death and not know it. Pain is the indicator letting you and I know that we have something that needs attention right now. Something is not right. Something is not well. And the same thing happens in our spirit. But we live in a time that we keep trying to justify this, this squirm on the inside of us, looking for teachers having itching ears to justify our own desires, looking for people who will affirm and, and celebrate. And, and, and let me just tell you something. If you got something you want celebrated, you can find a group on Facebook that will celebrate our sin, celebrate our dysfunction, that will try to normalize it, try to tell us it's okay. But my thing is, we're not people of the world. We're people of God, and our, and our standard is right here. What does God's word say about these things? rather than what does culture affirm about our appetites. But here's where the story gets crazy. So Lot, he looks, that's where it all starts, he's looking. The second thing is, he makes a conscious effort. He chose for himself. The third thing he does, now he moves a little closer. He's not in the city, it's just close enough. Get off my back, it's no big deal, I'm just a little closer but I'm still in church and I can still play, uh, yep. But, but, but over here, now he's living in it. And God and his great sovereignty and power and love, it's a long story, but ends up sending angels down to save them from this city. God said, I'm gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sinfulness. And when he goes down, he sends these angels down to get them. I wanna, I wanna show you. Go to chapter 19, verse 16. But he lingered. 
So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and the Lord being merciful to him and they brought him out and set him outside the city. I would think when I read the Bible and if somebody said God's about to blow Caledonia off the map, we would be like first trip to New Hope, here we come. But the Bible says he lingered. So notice what happens. He looks, he chose, he moved, he lived, and lastly, he lingered. When he should have left, he hesitated, and he stayed. When he should have ran the other way, he just settled in, became reluctant to leave, and he stayed. This is what I'm telling you. Listen, sin has this strange effect to keep us in sin. Sin has an effect that makes it hard to leave. Here's what I learned about the devil. He always sells the product but never tells the price. This week I went to the, on Friday night I went to the rodeo. Yeehaw, baby. And I have these boots that somebody gave me and I'm like, I gotta find some boots. I gotta find some jeans that fit these boots. Because, you know, I don't have jeans that just, whatever that is, boot cut. But then I went and bought some boot cut jeans, and it was like bell bottoms. Come on, talk back to me. And I talked to every man in this church, said, where do you buy your jeans at? Tell me how you get these, these how do you get around a boot? You know, that's the problem. I look like, I look like I'm walking on Kleenex boxes, like I just can't. So I, so I went to Belk. I went to Belk on Friday, and I picked out these jeans. I'm like, I think these are the ones. I think these are the ones. Make a note for me next service that I want to show the picture of us, and, and I want to show these jeans because I don't got it for this service. But, but uh, I'll, I'll put them on and put them in the parking lot. I'll wait for you to come save me in a minute. But, <laughs> but listen, I bought these jeans, and, and, I, and I went up to the front. I didn't even look at the price tag. Huge mistake. Because I, I was raised poor. You always look at the price tag before you look at the product. Can I get an amen? You always go straight to clearance. You don't go straight to the nice stuff that's folded in the front. You go to the back. But I was so desperate <laughs> to get jeans that fit me just right. Get those perfect leg fit to go to the rodeo. That when I got to the front and I said, Lena, how much were those jeans after we paid for them? And she told me, I said, what? I'm taking these back tomorrow after I wear them tonight. <laughs> Keeping all the tags on, the stickers on. Yeehaw, cowboy, let's go. <laughs> Come on, I know you've been tempted before. I'm going to wear these inside out, bring it back tomorrow. But the enemy always sells a product, never tells the price. What's interesting about this story is that when God comes to rescue him and tells him, let's go, let's go, he keeps lingering to the point that the angels, this is so good, the angels had to grab him by the hand and drag them out. The worst part of that, oh my, I saw this last night. The worst part of this story is the angels had to grab his kids' hands. Because look at this, what this is saying to me is that there are casualties for sin. 
and it's the next generation. He should have been the man of the family. He should have been the spiritual leader of his home and grabbed his own baby's hands and said, hey, fire's about to fall. It's about to get bad. We got to go, but not, watch this. Because what one generation does in moderation, the next generation does in excess. What we will continue to allow, all we're doing is teaching our children that they could do it too and more of it. I remember reading that and hearing him, the Bible say he lingered, he lingered, he lingered, he lingered. And I've hit that point before here, but allow me for just a moment. I'm telling you, the Bible says that men return to sin like dog return to its own vomit. Sin has an effect that once you get a hold of it, it's hard to let go. Heard a story of, a, of an eagle. There were witnesses to this account, and this, this eagle flies down, this majestic bird flies down and, and grabs a weasel, dirty, nasty weasel, and begins to soar back in the air. The story is that the weasel, in turn, turns around, begins to scratch and bite and fight with the eagle now the eagle's in pain and the eagle tries to let go and now the weasel is holding on even though it looks easy to just pick up a weasel pick up a bottle send that text to do that thing, to walk that path, to look, to move closer, to, look, to just get a little warmer, closer to that person, closer to this situation, to keep holding on to bitterness. As soon as you grab it, it's not as easy to let go of. Because hear me, when you think you've got sin, sin's got you. And it's hard to let go. But who the sun sets free is free indeed he said sin hath no more dominion over you can I tell you today Jesus was that eagle that swooped down and took our sin and he bled out and he died for us to find freedom There are people in this room, and I don't know your name, and I don't know your story, but you're wrapped up. I know there are people in this room, you're thinking of other people. I want to talk to you. You're wrapped up. You got some secrets. You got some stuff that you got to delete internet history. You got, you got some struggles in your life, and things have just taken you down a path you never thought. Listen, he never thought he was going to be in that position. He never thought, and it all started with looking too long. It just started with entertaining the idea. The water, the grass, it's good. The Bible says in verse 13, but that place was continually wicked. And all I want to do right now with his eyes closed all over the room, would just bow your head with me for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anybody out. But you feel like that eagle. You got a taste of a weasel, and the weasel got a hold of you and you just can't get away from it. You're struggling and you're fighting. You do three good days and you fall back. 
It's something that you just can't beat. You just can't get over. You, you can't seem to win. You just can't seem to get help. You've asked God over and over and over, and you're upset with yourself, and you're frustrated, and the devil has just seemed to keep finding you. I want to pray today that today you find freedom. I want you to know today that God loves you. He's not mad at you. And I'm going to tell you there's no condemnation in Christ. There's only freedom in Christ. And the way we find freedom, hear me today, is the same way we found bondage. It's where we look. The writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you want to get free from sin, stop looking at sin and start looking to your Savior. Start, start saying, you know what? I know I've made mistakes and I failed, but where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other words, there is no sin that can take you away from God. There is no sin in your life that makes God turn his back on you. That while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for you. In other words, God was fully aware, knew every sin secret you and I have, and still decided to pick up that weasel for you. Still decided to take on shame for you because he loves you. Father, you see every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room that is wrestling with things in their heart, wrestling with sin, wrestling with this tug of war. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that today they'll make a decision that I'm not looking anymore. I, I, if I got to get an app on my phone that keeps me from looking, if I, if I got to talk to my uh, small group and say, you know what, I've been looking at my past too much. I, I'm just struggling with what I'm looking at. And Father, I pray that this church and these people will make a determination in their heart. I I am looking unto Jesus. I'm going to get my eyes right. Like that old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Will you stand with me all over the room? I'm going to have the team sing a couple times before we leave. I just want us to end this moment. Just honor God. Can we just worship him? The Bible says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And there are some of you that just need the anointing on your life. You need God to help you in this season. You need God to, to stretch you. You need to say, God, once and for all, I give it to you. You know, the Bible says that if any man will confess his sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. You know that? Here's the problem in the church. We've taught people how to be sorry, but we've not taught people how to repent. We've made people feel bad, but we've not found that, that little thing that makes people repent. Can I tell you what repentance is? I'm gonna show you what repentance is. It ain't, it ain't feeling bad, it's turning around. 
It's saying, you know what, God? I don't like what I've gotten into. I've let my eyes get the best of me. I've moved close to it. I have failed, but I'm turning around today, and I am determined to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Somebody today, it is time to turn around. Somebody shout, turn around. One more time. Come on, let's raise our hands all over the room. If you need to repent, tell them I'm sorry now. Tell them today in the name of Jesus, I'm turning around. I'm turning around. I'm turning around. I shouldn't have opened that door, but I'm turning around. I shouldn't have said that, but I'm turning around. sets free is free indeed and whatever the devil has tried to get on top of us and tempt us and, and make us struggle I pray freedom in the name of Jesus I pray strength in the name of Jesus I pray victory in the name of Jesus you know the Bible says that there's not one temptation that doesn't have a way of escape this week you're gonna escape this week when it comes you're not gonna drink you're not gonna do this you're not going to smoke weed. You're not going to text her back. You're not going to go down that path because God made a plan. There is not one temptation that's allowed to come to you without an exit strategy. That's what the Bible says. Every one of these exit signs in this room were put there by code. The building had to be built with an exit plan. And the enemy's trying to tell somebody, I feel the Holy Ghost, let me just preach. There's somebody in this room, you don't think there's a way out. You've done it too long, it's too much of a struggle. But I've come to tell you, Jesus is our exit strategy. And you're on your way out of Egypt. You don't have to live there no more. The enemy you see today, you'll never see again. Come on, give God glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to remind you that at any time, well, I won't say any time, at this time, I'm asking the pastors, the prayer team to come join me in the front. 
If you need prayer for anything, we're going to dismiss you. But if you need prayer for anything to come down and, and you need something in your heart, you just got something on your mind, maybe this sermon spoke to you in a special way. That if that's you, I want you to come down front and at the dismissal of this service, and you can stay as long as you need. And we're going to pray with you and believe with you that God could help you in this season and walk you through. Maybe you're dealing with bills. Maybe you're dealing with struggle in your mind or your kids. This is a safe place. If you need prayer for anything, you can come. And we love to pray with you because church is only over if you want it to be over. Yeah. You can give on your way out. We thank God for you. We bless you. Can I pray with you one more time, church? I said, can I pray with you one more time? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this place will be a place of freedom. The enemies tried to bind some of us, tried to hold some of us, but I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, freedom over their lives, that they'll have the tenacity to walk out of that exit plan this week, that they can resist the devil, and he's going to flee in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray these prayers in this church said, Amen. Come on, this church said, Amen. God bless you, Bible Church.